But for most of us, life is not uh, so easy. It's busy, it's confusing, and it can be all-consuming. There are pressures, there are demands, there are schedules. We, we talk about this in this season of starting a year already so early, absolutely. There are things that can wear us out quicker than, than other things, and we heard before things that create and intensify our stress and anxiety. Life is just, I think, summed up as a busy narrative. Life can feel like a lot of work, so we must start well. Don't wait for the end of the year to do what you can do today. And so the challenge in this season, if I might add, will be to understand how to keep our joy, and how to keep our joy close. Psalm 30 verse 5 says this, and we're singing this today. Sing praises to the Lord, O you saints, and give thanks to his holy name, for his anger is but for a moment, and his favour is for a lifetime. We may tarry for the night, but... Everyone say but. Okay, and this is... You haven't got good butts out there, and I cannot lie. Okay, that's another song, sorry. That's from Shrek. Shrek. Okay, here we go. Ready, but... Thank you. Joy comes. In the morning. Verse 11, let's just jump to that. You have turned for me my morning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. So we talk about the clothing and the garment of praise. That you have clothed me with gladness. But I love this, but joy comes. See, God knows that life is challenging and our joy is vulnerable. There are many verses in the Bible speaking about joy. In fact, in the Old Testament, there are around 27 different words. We have a fundamental need for joy to be in our lives. And without joy, life is easily overwhelming, overburdened, and oppressive. Excuse me. Just turn to the person next to you and say, great to see you. It's good I really believe you meant that. God knows. Studies also show that the more joy you have, the more positive we are. And then I think of Paul in the book of Philippians, only four chapters long, and Paul uses the word joy or rejoice 16 times. So while he was on his vacation in the Caribbean, having 11 lime and bitters, he's writing rejoice the Lord. No, he wasn't. He was in prison. He was waiting to be executed, and in the darkest days of his life, he wrote the most positive, powerful chapter in the Bible. He says, Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say, Rejoice. Years ago, I did a word study on this, and I come to the conclusion that rejoice means to declare triumphantly. There's something about rejoicing that, that stimulates and feeds our own spirit, but also others around about us. And in that space, it declares triumphantly. It means to give joy to, to stir it up. In God, we know that it's his desire and it's our desire that joy would be stirred up. Joy, in one definition, is essentially the inner state of heart, so excited, so sure, so certain of God and his promises, no matter what. For me, I've understood that joy is an attitude. It's a posture, it's a position, it's a place, and it is a person. Respectfully, it is Jesus. 
See, happiness will come by what happens to you and I. And we get that, and I understand that. But joy is what happens in you. Joy is an inner feeling, but yet rejoice is an outward display. We read last week in Isaiah 61, and I just want to read just a little earlier. It says, as Jesus gives us the oil of joy, instead of, or the oil of gladness, instead of mourning. Jesus gives us this. Hebrews 1.9, I love what we read, and I haven't got the scripture up here, but it says, God sent Jesus above all and everyone by anointing him with the oil of joy. So when Jesus came, he was commissioned, and God said, I have anointed him with the oil of joy. So even the Son of God coming to minister and to, to reach into our hearts and our lives and to influence humanity for good and for kingdom, he says this, I have anointed him with the oil of joy. And it links him with Psalm 45. And that tells us why. Why did this happen? Because he loved righteousness. And the Bible says that we have become the righteousness of God through Jesus. Jesus lived a life that was full of life and this oil was overflowing on him wherever he went. And that's why the children wanted to come up near him. That's why crowds were following him because there was something about Jesus that all these other scholars and all these educated people and everybody else and these uh, snake oil sellers were trying to promote and communicate that Jesus had something different. In Luke 15, Jesus highlights how to emphasize joy, telling us three stories about this. The first was a man who lost his sheep, left the 99, went to find it, finds his sheep, and he's rejoicing. The Bible says he rejoiced. The second is about a lady who lost a valuable coin. She looked everywhere, and finally she found it, and she rejoiced. And the last is the prodigal son or the loving father whose son left him but he came back eventually when he hit rock bottom and his head between his tails. He walked back to the father and thought, I'll just be a servant. I'll just work out in the pen. I'll do whatever. I'm not worthy to be a son. And his father saw him and gave him a ring and, and, and got the fattened calf ready to, to, to celebrate. So when you look at all these, the sheep, the coin and the sun, they all have one common response, celebration and joy. Here's a couple of thoughts for you. Firstly, look at this in Nehemiah 8.10. Don't be sad because your joy of the Lord is your strength. The Israelites were in transition. There was a lot going on. There was a lot of things that they were aware of that weren't right. They need to get right with God. And the news of this grieved their heart. They were grieved and they were weighed down. And so it says, don't be sad because the joy of the Lord is your strength. We greatly underestimate the necessity of joy. Joy is strength. It's the absence. Its absence creates weakness. Failure to, to live a deeply satisfying spiritual life will always have the effect of creating a wrong mindset and a pattern of behavior. Then we look at Psalm 68.3. But let the godly what? Rejoice. Let them be glad in God's presence. That's what we've been doing. I hope you're glad today. I hope there's something. I hope. Let the godly rejoice. Listen. Let them be glad in God's presence. Let them be filled with joy. Who's filled with joy this morning? This is Old Testament. It should be how much more for the New Testament? 
So joyfulness is a learned skill. You will not automatically be joyful. Or you can be happy because of what's happening, but the inner sense of this joy, this lasting sense, has to be made as a decision. It is a daily decision. The one that lifts us above our circumstances. I know full well what that means. And I think many of you know the story and challenges that we've all had to go through. Uh, never negate the fact that we have joy, but we all will have trials and tribulations, as James reminds us of, and says, consider it joy, or pure joy. So when we celebrate each day, we're exercising our ability to see God's goodness in things we wouldn't have noticed before. And as a result, our capacity for joy increases. There's another thought about this joy. A key step, I believe, for joy in our own hearts and lives is this, Psalm 118. I used to sing, this was a song many years ago, and this is how it went. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. And anybody remember the song? This is the day, yeah. This is the day. I think it was almost like number one top hit, wasn't it? Every, every time you went to church, it was, you could hear it. They were practicing it as you're walking to church. And it almost got you in rhythm, didn't it? You're like, head down, and you go, this is the day the Lord has made. And you're like, oh, I, better, I better lift up my head. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. What a great reminder that we can live with joy, but not just someday. Not the illusion of someday, but David says, if we do not rejoice today, we will not rejoice at all. If we wait for conditions to be right and perfect, we're going to be waiting until we die. Don't wait till then. And yeah, I've seen this with people, that you, you and I make a choice when we hear a report or a situation in our life and circumstances. We make a choice to despair, or we choose to, you know what, I'm going to do, do this Wow. I'm going to do this and I'm not going to let my song be taken from me. This is a day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let's not wait for conditions to be perfect. If we're going to rejoice, we're going to be glad, we're going to release this fullness of joy upon our lives, it must be today. It must be somewhere today you and I have a moment, a pause, a reflection that says, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I rejoice in you. Do I have to rejoice in the circumstance or the situation? Then there's another thought to take to this in John 16. Jesus is speaking. He says, Until now you have asked me nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive. Why? That your joy may be full. So he wants us to come to him. He wants us to find the posture. He wants us to find presence. He wants us to understand position. And in that space, learn how to ask. Learn how to call on our loving Father. The key here is to be intentionally choosing, noticing, and appreciating, and anticipating the goodness of God in our lives. Friends, if you're facing a challenge on whatever level, ask God to restore your joy. Ask Jesus to reframe your mindset. Something's got in there, something. The business of, of the hour, the challenges and pressures and stresses of life. 
Rely on the Holy Spirit to release a joy in you and through you. We learn of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and then joy and peace. I won't say they're in order, but if they were, love obviously is the key. It's everything. If we have, don't have love, we're just a sounding noise, we've got nothing. But when we have love, then after that should flow joy, and after that flows peace, loving kindness and goodness and all those things. Can you recognise an area of your life that might be blocking God's joy in you? Because his presence, this awareness of private and corporate intimacy with Jesus will release upon you a presence and atmosphere of joy. But friends, the reality is that there are joy robbers. We can lose our joy when we misunderstand God's goodness. We interpret the moment and the situations as negative and unhelpful, demanding and stressful. And when we focus on that, joy just leaks out. Joy just evaporates. We get confused. Life is complex and we become disheartened. We can lose the joy of our salvation when we do not admit that we've done something wrong. James 4.17 He knows the good he ought to do but doesn't do it. Sins. Think about that. That's weighty. And then 5.20 as well in James. So we can lose the joy of our salvation when we do not admit we've done something wrong. We can also lose the joy of our salvation when there's unconfessed sin in our lives. Yes, that's right. Holding on, hiding, holding on to our wrongs will rob God, God's joy flowing in our lives and it hinders the delight of close fellowship with the Saviour. Sin and the works of the flesh deprive us of joy. Self-pity consumes our capacity for gratitude and love and joy to flourish. Failure to appreciate and reflect in faithfulness and in certain situations deprives us of this joy. And we learn that repentance is a source of deep joy or deeper joy. If we look at David's example for just for a moment, when David felt the weight of his sin, what did he do? He confessed them and he cried out to God, and he says this, Restore to me the joy of my salvation in Psalm 51 verse 12. I believe David understood that confessing his sins to God would allow him to experience the joy, that joy that he knew in its fullness and firmness of salvation as he remembered God's love and mercy. So in the weight of sin and the sense of guilt, is that still in you? Your joy? Is that taking away your joy of salvation? Knowing that God offers a grace not only for forgiveness of sins, but friends also for restoration. In Psalm 43:4. This is actually this has been my verse this week. This has been my praise verse, this has been my soaking verse. There I will go to the altar of God. To God, the source of all my joy. Wow. There I will go to the altar of God. To God, the source of all my joy. There are so many substitutes for joy in our life. There's so many things that are just buying our time and temptation. You know, I got distracted last night. I'm preparing. I'm thinking about my message. 
And lo and behold, I look up 52 words about slang in the UK language. <laughs> like bollocks. And why am I doing that? It's very interesting. And apparently I say about half of those words myself every day. Anyway, don't know. I got distracted. There are so many substitutes in life. So many distractions. So the best place to find joy is our heavenly place. In prayer, in reflection, in rest, with other believers. The good Israelites regarded the act of thanking God as the supreme joy of their life. And they still do consider that as a primary. Pure joy is joy in God as both the source and the object. Have a look at this in Psalm 16:11. You show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. You have to get that. It has to be something that is born in our, in our spirit of revelation and knowing. You will show me the way of life. Grant me the joy of your presence and the pleasure of living with you. Praise is what we do. We learned that last week. Joy is what we know. When Jesus said the truth will set you free, he didn't mean it would be without battle. He meant that the truth will win over the war against freeing our soul from being constantly weighed down and, and burdened. But there is a joy that God offers. The joy that Jesus modelled, that oil of joy, and then also that we can model and experience for ourselves in his name. So as a follower of Jesus, we won't always remove the trials of life, the hardship of circumstances, or even the wrestle of warfare. But it does state that we will never be alone. We have a supernatural strength, and the presence of joy will accompany us in all things. If that's not enough, in 1 Peter 1, 8, 9, it says this, Though you have not seen him, Jesus, anybody seen him? I've seen him in visions, but anyway, but I have not seen him face to face like this, uh, except for those visions. Though you have not seen him in tangible way, you love him. So here we are. People probably think we're crazy. We're, we're, this is faith, isn't it? You love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him, and you are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Oh, I love that. Peter, Peter's, Peter's speaking something powerful here. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls, which is accompanied with joy, a joy that in every situation I've lived this just now, 55 years, and what I can remember as a believer in Christ is knowing that God is with me through the good, the bad and the ugly. This is an explosive declaration by Peter. It's exactly what we need for our dull and destructible hearts. Everything we already know about Jesus fills our hearts with awe. That's what he's saying. Worship and joy. But there's much more more that we don't even know or can comprehend or understand and this should excite us that there's more we haven't arrived there's still more to learn there's still more to know of Jesus and to grow in that relationship so what brings me joy? I rejoice that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life I am very thankful how about you? very very thankful 
I'm thankful for all that Jesus has done for me, how he saved me and set me free. He took me from a place of destiny, burning hell, and you grabbed me and you reached out and you called me by name. I'm very thankful. And when I think of that, joy starts to flow, overflow. Not from the things that just accompany salvation, but because it, for itself, salvation. We're at the close, and in Psalm 16 again, I want to read this to you. It says, I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my soul or my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. Can you attest to that today, friend? I will not be shaken. Can you make that your declaration today? Can you confirm, as it says, for he is right beside me? In verse 9, no wonder my heart is glad. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. Friends, we need joy. We need to learn it and put it into practice. And we need to remember that joy is for every day. Not just for the good days, but the not so good days. As I conclude, is your heart glad? Can you rejoice today? Because there is the oil of God from the Holy Spirit, from his presence to soothe you, to minister into you, to love on you, and we all need it. There's a lot of unlove out there. There's a lot of hate. There's a lot of disappointment. It doesn't take long to pick it up. I was speaking to someone in the community this week who just said life is hard. We're talking about just the challenges of life. And this is like, yeah, it's just a given. Life is hard. And how hard would it be for those who don't know Jesus? How better it is, how blessed are we to know that Jesus is with us? So I'm going to ask you, can you see ways that can help you have a joyful heart? Is there something in your life that needs to change? Needs to be allocated again? Is there anything? Can you see patterns of thinking that have just blatantly just taken joy from you? Robbed you of joy? I can think of times when that's happened. Because I focus so much on the situation. I got so fixated on that, I start to forget that God is with me. And that God is good. Maybe you do that too. Can you recognise any area of your life that might be blocking the flow of this joy, God's joy in you? It's a really important question to ask. Because it's very easy. As I said, there are lots of joy robbers out there. It doesn't take long to start your day. It could be the first thing. It could be a text. It could be a moment. It could be a conversation. We don't know what the rest of the day holds, or tomorrow, or the next, or the next. And we go through challenges and trials and tribulations. That's already a given. But we are asked, we are instructed, we are challenged to make sure that we keep joy close. It helps when you have some friends who are named Joy. In our experience, we've got a number of friends. We had one who visited us last year, I think it was. Her name was Joy. We went on a mission trip with her. It's so helpful just to remember as Joy being personified. 
being that presence, being awareness. It's a great name, isn't it? Joy. The Africans like to call their children blessed and blessed and blessing. I love that. I think it's cool. But I want to ask you this as I close. If you are not sure of what's robbing you of joy, if you can recognise that joy is limited in your life right now, I'm going to ask you to have the confidence, to have the boldness, to have the hope to ask Jesus for that joy, to ask him to refresh you. I do. I do. As I close, we had a situation this week that wasn't massive, but it was time-consuming, it was demanding, and there was a little, little bit of pressure with it for our family. It was just last-minute stuff, and we were told that this is what the process would be, and there was no way we could see God do anything. And, I, and part I accepted it for what it was, but in part I just stopped everything I was doing, and I went into prayer. And I just called on my Heavenly Father and said, Heavenly Father, I need you right now. I need you in this moment. Whether, however you want to answer this, I will always and still love you and be thankful. But we need you to make a way. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know what way you're going to make it happen. But I know that I'm putting my faith in you and I'm trusting you in this moment. You are my Lord, you are my Saviour. That was basically it. Amen. Uh, probably a little bit extra in that, but that was it. There was probably five minutes of prayer. It wasn't five hours, it was about five minutes. And in that moment, I just felt like God was going to do something, but I didn't know. Well, God did. Two days later, we got a phone call, we got some conversations happening, and what was, not, what was blocked and stopped and not able to work, there's no way through it, not at all. God just came in and he just moved it all away, opened the door, and boom, and we're just like, is that true? Am I, am I making it up? No. Okay, it's, it's, yes or no, am I making it up? <laughs> now, I'm not sure either. Maybe it was a dream I had. Well, I had a dream the other day skiing down the snow, and I don't ski. Anyway, <laughs> let me pray. Will you close your eyes, please? I pray, Lord, right now that you would expand our capacity to love you and to just enjoy and marvel at you. I pray for all those, Father, right now who, starting a year, that's hard to even want to keep on keeping on. And yet, Lord, we know today you're reminding us that we're not going to wait to the end of the year and set a new resolution. We're not even going to wait till halfway in winter and then start to think about this. But we're asking today, Lord, to restore the joy of our salvation. The enemy has come in, things have happened, distractions, all sorts of things, all sorts of tension, all sorts of plays are going on. Right now, I ask, Lord, for whoever this person may be, or persons, I pray, Lord, that you would restore to them the joy, Father, of your salvation upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I need this joy. I receive this joy. I believe you. I believe you. Thank you.